Welcome to today's message from Reach Community Church. We hope this message encourages and blesses you as we dive into God's Word. And now, for today's message. I'm Heath, uh, lead pastor here at Reach, um, and we're going to get into the Word today. We're going Old Testament. Watch out. Uh, we're going to be in Joshua 4. Um, if you want to get there, it's going to be a little bit, but we're going to be in Joshua 4, 1 through 24. With a, uh, we're going to hit a couple of spots in uh, Joshua 3. So um, confessions here, and like I say a lot of times, if you're new here, usually if I ask questions or you know pose something, it's just internal, so don't yell anything out. Um, but um, are, are you a forgetful person? Don't, don't say anything. Don't elbow the person beside you if they're the forgetful person. Um, I believe that we're a people who forget. Uh, if we remember the things that we had forgotten, we would have less trouble uh, and much less stress. Uh, recently, I've been tra- um, <laughs> challenged with the fact that I don't live historically. I'm going to explain that because that's going to kind of weave through this. What does that mean? Uh, it means that I often forget God's love for me and the uh, and and how historically he has taken care of me over the years. I, I understand it intellectually, and I will communicate it verbally, but I will live contrary to that belief at times. See, looking at my life in decades and not days, I see his redeeming grace all the time. The problem is that I choose to live in the moment and forget the history of the decade. Anyone else? Anyone else struggle with that reality where like one minute, and this is, I mean, if you've been reading the one-year Bible, this is the story of the Bible. People will experience God, and they'll be like, man, God is good. He is behind us. He is for us. We can take on anything. And a couple days later, they'll be like, he has left us. Let's make a golden calf. Uh, that's just what we do. And, and so today, um, and if you've read recently Joshua 4, you may, you may know where I'm going. Uh, you may not. I look through my notes. I, I keep all my notes. Uh, I've been doing this for like 22 years so in youth ministry, nine years before we moved here. I've been here for almost 11 years. And uh, I actually taught on this in 2008. I found it in my notes. Uh, that was when I was a youth pastor uh, and not here. And I read this um, this week, and I was just like, man, this is, this is for us. So I want to pray before we get in the Word. I have a lot of texts that we're going to go through pretty fast. Um, probably, I'm usually 10 to 12 verses because that's about what you can try to teach and cover. I think I have like 30 or 40. So I promise the ice cream will be here when we get out. Uh, and it will not be, uh, you know, like it's, he's going to serve it so it won't be melted or anything. So let's pray. Uh, Dear Heavenly Father, uh, Lord, we ask for your grace and mercy. Lord, I ask that you would uh, open our eyes and our hearts to see the reality of who you are. And Lord, I pray that you would deal with the unbelief of who we think you are in a moment where we don't see you. Lord, I pray through today's text that you would uh, remind us over and over again how good you are how long-suffering you are, and how willing you are to rescue and redeem over and over and over again. 
So, Lord, help us be a people that remember. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. So, if you don't know anything about Joshua, uh, Joshua was one of the two spies that went into the land um, after Israel left Egypt. And they went into the land and they saw all of these kingdoms. They saw these mighty warriors. And they were like, 10 of the 12 came back and were like, nope. Let's go back. Let's not go over there. Uh, Joshua and Caleb were like, heck no, God is with us. Nothing's going to stop us. Um, Shockingly, uh, only two of those guys of the 12 survived to this moment. And, you know, it was kind of a a curse from God. Um, God said, okay, fine. If you won't trust me, if you won't believe me, then you can wander in the wilderness, a journey that wouldn't have taken that long. Uh, You spend 40 years. 40 years. And all of that generation died off, including Moses, who was the one who was sent to redeem and rescue and pull the people of Egypt, I mean, the people of Israel out of Egypt. Um, The closest that Moses got was to go on the mountain and look into the promise and see it. And then he dies. And before he died, he gave his mantle to Joshua, who was going to be the new leader of the people. And he prays over him. God tells Joshua that I'm going to be with you like I was with Moses. You're going to see and experience the things that I have. And so we're going to pick this up in, um, I've got two verses in chapter 3, starting with verse 7, just for this one verse. It says, Then the Lord said to Joshua, Today I will begin to exalt you in the sight of all Israel, that you may know, sorry, that they may know that as I was with Moses, I will be with you. Here, this is crazy. For those that are um, seasoned, well, means older, um, seasoned, weathered. Um, I don't know what other night that have had history, lots of history. Um, Joshua's in his 70s. There is anywhere from 69 to 79 years old. Leading. So for all those who are like, I'm ready to retire, I'm getting out of the game. Like Joshua was just getting in, in his late 60s, early 70s, and leading a lot of people. And a lot of people that have historically not behaved well, not listened well, and not followed well. And so um, God is telling Joshua, and you're going to see this all throughout the text today. God tells Joshua something, and Joshua does exactly what God asked him to do. We'll see this all throughout the text. See, God was going to show his people that they had a new leader. Because sometimes when there's a change of leadership, people will just be like, okay, we're going to do whatever. But God wanted to show the people with power that they should listen to Joshua. In verse 10, three verses later, um, through 13, it says, And Joshua said... Here is how you will know that the living God is among you. That he will, without fail, drive out before you the Canaanites, the Hittites, the Hivites, the Perizzites. (laughs) That's right. Oh, man. Um, The Gergazites. Once I start mispronouncing one thing, it's like a disease. It goes into everything. So I'm just going to keep moving. The Amorites, the Jebusites. Uh, And behold... The Ark of the Covenant of the Lord 
of all the earth is passing over before you into the Jordan. So we have to cross this water barrier into the place that God has called them to go. Now, therefore, take 12 men from the tribe of Israel. In this, he's pre-stating what's going to happen a little bit later, which is what we're talking about today. Uh, Therefore, you'll take 12 men from the tribes of Israel, for each tribe a man. And when the soles of the feet of the priests bearing the ark of the Lord, um, bearing the ark of the Lord, the Lord of all the earth shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, shall rest in the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan shall be cut off from flowing, and the rivers coming down from above shall stand in one heap. Okay, so um, the Jordan, I've never seen the Jordan, never been there. Um, I, I know historically the Jordan River is 100 feet wide, typically. We're going to find out in just a little bit later, this is during harvest, this is during the, the flood stages. So the, the, it is not just 100. You're like 100 feet. No big deal. No big deal. We can cross over. Um, but it's in flood stages. There's lots of waters. And, and God's telling the people in advance. Because sometimes when God does something and you didn't know that he was going to do it, you're like, was this God? Was this not God? God wanted to make sure that the people know, this is how you're going to know that I'm with you. I'm going to show you the power that I have for the job that's ahead. And I think there's 31 kings that they're going to have to battle against. 31 kings. So he wants them to know, hey, guys, I want you to understand that the power of God is coming on me to move through you into all that's coming ahead of you. Because you need to remember who's with you, which is all of what today's text is about. Verse, so now we're going to jump into verse 1. We're going to be through 24. 24 verses here. Verse 1, it says, When all the nation had finished passing over the Jordan, the Lord said to Joshua, Take twelve men from the people, from each tribe a man, and command them, saying, Take twelve stones from here, out of the midst of the Jordan, from the very place where the priest feast stood firmly, And bring them over with you and lay them down in a place that you will lodge tonight. Okay, Um, here's something that you need to know. Because the story is going to be retold like twice. So we're going to hear kind of the same thing repeated over and over again as it goes on. Where they're going is eight miles away. So I don't know about you. I've carried some heavy things um, for distance. And it's horrible. It could be like, you know, a little 20-pound kettlebell seems like no big deal but if you carry it for a long period of time it's horrible and so you're going to see that this isn't just a small stone they don't go into the river and get this little pebble and take it um hey they take they go in and get something they have to put on their shoulder and this is something that they're going to carry not just on the other side of the bank but for eight miles verse four Then Joshua called the twelve men from the people of Israel, whom he had appointed, a man from each tribe. One from each tribe, each tribe, because soon they're going to be separated into areas. They're not going to be all together after a short period of time. Like, they've been together for 40 years around the presence of God, around the tabernacle together. 
And soon they're going to be split into the areas that God has promised them. And so they wanted, God wanted to make sure that there was someone from every tribe that has a memory specific of this. This person's most likely, if he doesn't have already, is going to have children. And he's going to be like, man, do you remember when this happened and I was there? So he wanted one person from every tribe. Verse 5, And Joshua said to them, Pass on before the ark of the Lord your God into the midst of the Jordan, and take, each, uh, and take up each of you a stone upon his shoulder. Not a lot, like, can you imagine? I'm like, like oh, look, look what I, like a stone upon his shoulder. According to the number of the tribes of the people of Israel, and this may be a sign among you. When your children ask in time to come, what do these stones mean to you? Then you shall tell them that the waters of the Jordan were cut off before the ark of the covenant of the Lord. When we passed over the Jordan, the waters of the Jordan were cut off. So these stones shall be to the people of Israel a memorial forever. You're going to see this twice when you're children. And I'm, going to, I'm, going to, I'm comparing all this just so you, don't get, so you kind of know where I'm going. I'm comparing all this to what we, were, we celebrated last week. That last week we began to have an opportunity, or we remember the beginning of us having an opportunity to be connected to the presence of God through Jesus Christ. And I'm going to do my best to connect this story to what I think God wants to do in us in the New Testament to remember what God has done for us. And I believe, there, and twice there's this... Um, idea that uh, someone comes up to you and asks, and why are these here? And you have a reason for telling people why this are, these are here. And, and we, as children of God, are potentially going to be asked, why do you do this? Or why do you not do that? Or why do you believe this? Or why do you not believe that? And we get to have a testimony to say, this is who we are. This is what God has done for me. Verse 8, and the people of Israel did just as Joshua commanded and took up 12 stones out of the midst of the Jordan according to the number of tribes of the people of Israel just as the Lord had told Joshua. Just as the Lord had told Joshua. Joshua didn't go wake up one morning and be like, hey guys, we're going to cross this river and we're going to do some stuff. Because I think this is what we should do. I mean, most people at flood stages, if God hadn't told them anything, would be like, okay, how are we going to get around this? Can we go this way? Can we go that way to get around the Jordan? God told them this is what's going to happen. And he did it to a T. Verse 9. And Joshua set the twelve stones in the midst of the Jordan. Sorry. And Joshua set up 12 stones in the midst of the Jordan in a place where the feet of the priests were bearing the Ark of the Covenant, uh, where the covenant had stood. And they were there to this day. And the priests bearing the Ark stood in the midst of the Jordan until everything was finished that the Lord had commanded Joshua. And, the, and tell the people, according to all that Moses had commanded Joshua, the people passed over in haste. Okay, a couple things here. So there, uh, verse 9 is an interesting... So there's, there's two stone um, um, memorials. That's the word. Thank you, Eileen. 
Um, there's two stone memorials. There's one that's set in the middle of the Jordan that no one's ever going to see. No one, even when the flood's down, unless it goes really dry and there's a drought, you won't see that, but it's there. That Joshua went in himself and set up as a memorial, even if people don't see it. See, some things that God has done in us, they're not external where people can go, oh man, I see that you you had an accident and now you have a cast on and this thing happened. Some people have no idea what's going on inside of us, but we have this memorial inside of us. Reminding us every day what God has done for us. And I love this little place. And it says, and the people passed over in haste. Okay, remember, none of the people other than Joshua and Caleb experienced going through the Red Sea. Well, or they were really little when it happened. But it was a very distant memory 40 years previous. And they're going through the Jordan. Okay, remember, flood stages, heap. I don't know what that looked like. Um, and I, I'm a visual. Like I'm, this is why I like kind of movies and stuff, because I, I think, like, what, what does this look like? But in my imagination, uh, there's water flowing. So he could have stopped the water flowing together the whole place. He could have done that. But he still had to deal with the water that was going to be taken from the space that they're going to walk through on dry land. And this was a lot of people that are going to be crossing this. So there's potentially this huge heap of water just sitting there. And so could you imagine, not, I, I don't know about you, but some of us knowing that we're not there in that moment, we might like, oh, this is really cool. No, if you were there in the moment, you're like, I need to get to the other side before this comes down. But in haste, they're going across. Verse 11. Said when the people had finished passing over, um, the ark of the Lord with the priest passed over before the people. And the sons of Reuben and the sons of Gad and the half tribe of Manasseh passed over armed before the people of Israel as Moses had told them. About 40,000 ready for war passed over before the Lord for battle. To the plains of Jericho. These were the two and a half tribes of people that said, Hey, Moses, can we, we stay over here? We want this to be our home. And Moses, basically, they made a deal with God saying, Hey, as long as you will help your brothers take the land that God has promised, yes, you can call that home. So these are people that are going to fight for property that was not even going to be their own. They were just being obedient to what God had asked them to do. Verse 14 said, On the last... Uh, on that day, the Lord exalted Joshua in the sight of all Israel, and they stood in awe of him just as they had stood in awe of Moses all the days of his life. See, Joshua has waited faithfully serving the Lord for 40 years. 40 years. Could you imagine? I think some of us get really aggravated with kind of um, Christian stuff when we're not elevated within like a month or six months or four years or, or whatever that total. We're like, why hasn't God recognized who I am? Joshua spent 40 years and he was one of the ones that was constantly there at the tabernacle, constantly there. He, he was one of the ones that wouldn't leave the mountain. He didn't want to leave the presence of God. And for 40 years, he sustained doing the things that he should have done in spite of what wasn't happening. 40 years. And this is the thing that we've talked about a lot here at Reach, a thing that we miss when we read the Bible quickly. 
We miss that these are, these are days and decades and hundreds of years. These are, these are things that happen over long periods of time where we see, well, you know, just a couple of pages later, look what Joshua's doing out of what he did with Moses. No, this is years, 40 years. And I could be wrong on this, and I hate making statements and things that I didn't verify before, but I, I believe Joshua is one of the few men in the Bible that didn't later have some flaw. He wasn't perfect, but he was one of the ones that through the end, like it just said, through the end, he was faithful to the Lord. Verse 15. And the Lord said to Joshua, command the priests. So the priests, I don't, like, I don't know who in the Levitical, like the guys were like, okay, like who's going to carry the ark, which was an honor. But then maybe they didn't know what they were going to do or didn't, but they stood there the whole time. And you're, I looked at, and I tried to find out how many people crossed over. So I'm going to throw out two numbers because this is, this is the span. It is, it is either like in the 60,000 mark, which is probably unlikely, up to 2.4 million people. So regardless, this is a lot of people. It, didn't, it wasn't like, hey, 10 minutes, you stood in the center of this Jordan with the heap of the water waiting there. They waited for a long time. Even if it's six, even if it's just a hundred thousand people. You ever been somewhere with a hundred thousand people? Uh, I went to um, my my son is a a Green Bay Packer fan, and for our his twelve year old adventure, we went to Lambeau Field. Seventy eight thousand people in the stadium. It took forever when that game was over just to get a mile out of that city. I mean, so you're talking about so much more than that and people walking with their stuff. It was not like, hey, we're just going from one side to the other. They had everything they own, all their animals, all their livestock, all of their stuff, and the priests were sitting there waiting. Verse 18. And when the priests bearing the Ark of the Covenant of the Lord came up out of the midst of the Jordan and the soles of the priest's feet were lifted up on dry ground. The waters of the Jordan returned to their place that overflowed the banks as before. Whew. Like, can you imagine? I mean, like, man, your faith is like, yes, God is good. And then like they step on the other side and the water's like, whew. Um, that's, you know, that's, Pretty big deal. I'm sure those um, ark carriers were like, "This was uh, this is a very big day. We got to be a part of this." I'm sure they told their um, children's ch- children of that. I said in verse 19, it said, "The people came up out of the Jordan on the tenth day of the first month, and they encamped at Gilgad on the east border of Jericho, eight miles away from where they crossed." Here's a, an interesting thing. God is so interested in you remembering things. Look, look at this. Uh, they were crossing the Jordan four days before Passover, on the very day that the preparation would begin for Passover. And Passover, for those that aren't familiar with it, so when they left Egypt to get out, Passover was the last plague that came. God was like, I'm going to free you after this. And, and that plague was that the firstborn of every child, uh, firstborn of every family would die. 
And the only way that they wouldn't die is that you would sacrifice a lamb and you would put the lamb's blood on your house. And then the Spirit of the Lord would pass over. And all of this isn't like, sometimes we look at this as like, man, this is crazy. This is all imagery of what Jesus did on the cross. The reason why we celebrated last week is because Jesus became the last and final Passover lamb. That all those who put their trust in his blood, Passover. And so this was literally four days. Like all of this was planned. And so when they got on the other side, they're going to celebrate the Passover, the reminder of what God did over and over and over again. Verse 20, it said, And the twelve stones which they took from the Jordan, Joshua set up in Gilgal. Gilgal. So a little history of Gilgal, because you're like sometimes, and I, I, I love this stuff when you find out things that when you pass through all of these names, you're like, oh yeah, here's an odd name of a city that isn't used a ton, so you're like unfamiliar with it. Let me just tell you some of the things that happened there, which is pivotal because this is where these stones were placed up. So the first king of Israel was crowned there. David was welcomed back after Absalom's rebellion. So his son rebels rebels, takes over his kingdom, and when that is, when Absalom dies and, and David comes back into place, he's welcomed in this city. There was a school of prophets that happened in this. This was Elijah and Elisha and Elijah. This was part of their kind of missionary journey in this place. And this was also Joshua's camp in the center of his operations were there in this city where they put these stones. Verse 21. And he said to the people of Israel, when your children ask their fathers in time to come, what do these stones mean? Then you shall let your children know that Israel passed over the Jordan on dry ground. For the Lord your God dried up the waters of the Jordan for you until you passed over to the other side. As the Lord your God did to the Red Sea, which he dried up for us until... We passed over so that all the peoples of the earth may know that the hand of the Lord is mighty, that you may fear the Lord your God forever. What's crazy, and I wasn't sure if I was going to bring up this, but I kind of want to because like this is remembering the power of God. His power to, to take you to a place that he desires for you, which is into his life. A little bit later, so to, if you continue the story, and this isn't going to be on their screen up there, but as the story continues, and some of you are familiar with Jericho, Jericho is a big walled city, and God tells them some crazy stuff to do. Walk around it, um, say some stuff, horns, you know, and on the seventh day, the walls come down and they defeat the city. Not necessarily just their doing, but it wasn't even their power, but they just did this kind of seemingly thing that was obedience to God. God said to do, and they did, and the walls came down. And then right after that, they have this little town, little town, AI, little town. And they're like, we don't even need to take all our people. We'll just take a couple thousand soldiers up there. And they got their tails handed to them. They got whooped and ran away. And they come back and everybody's like, I thought God was with us. What's going on? Well, uh, odd story to communicate. 
So God had told them that uh, the dedicated things, there's things here that you, you cannot touch, you cannot have in Jericho. He tells them this. And there's one man who decides, he sees a little glitter, he sees a little gold, a little silver and some things. He decides, you know, no one will know, and he'll take them. And he, he took them, stole them. He put them in his tent, and he buried them in the ground where his tent was. And, and God tells Joshua, hey, look, 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 someone has taken a devoted thing. And so they literally, by tribe, all tribes walk by, and God selects this tribe. All the families go by, God selects this family. All the people in the family goes by, and God selects this person. And it's left to this one man who'd stole these things. God had pointed him out in front of all of them. And he's like, what have you done? And he confesses to what he did. And you know what happens to him? There's a second stone pile. Um, They stone him to death, which is crazy. See, God was interested in a people being willing to listen because listening is where the benefit comes from. Obeying is where the benefit comes from. If, if, if they would have listened and obeyed, all the things, all the kings, all the stuff that they were going into would have happened just as God had promised it. But that's not what happened. And so here we have these two piles that God's calling us to remember. If you've had children... One of the hardest lessons for your children to learn is like, this hurts me. I'm not going to do that anymore. You know, this is a stove and it's hot. And, you know, most children are going to put their hand on the stove or the one, that thing. I know some kids are like, some one thing hurt them and then that thing forever becomes the evil. Like, whatever it is. Like, nope. Like, they have going to have to go to therapy later for the, the pain that that inanimate object called them caused them but like that's part of what we want to learn we want to learn that these things hurt us these things are destroying relationships these things cause us pain see what we remember matters the history of god's faithfulness is repeated over and over through the bible so is the amount of times that the people of God forgot who God was. That's the story that we see over and over and over again. And so what I want to do, I have two kind of things that I want us to um, think about. See, we cannot remember something that hasn't happened. So first we have to have something to remember. You have to cross the river. See, none of what I'm talking about today has any value if some point in your life you haven't said, I believe in Jesus. That first stone, that first thing that we're placing everything in has to be tied to Christ. Because anything else that we put our life, invest our life on, and build our life on, uh, and for those that have read recently, there's the story of the You know, the faithful that have built their house on the rock. And when the rains came, the house stood. So what are we building our life on? We have to have that first thing. There would be no value of the stones if you didn't cross the river. Because there would be no memory of it. The reason why they're set up is so that people in the future that didn't have that experience could be pointed back to God's faithfulness, God's goodness. Psalms 62, verse 1 and 2, 
It says, for God alone, my soul waits in silence. From him comes my salvation. He alone is my rock and my salvation, my fortress. I shall not be greatly shaken. And then 2 Corinthians 5.17 says, Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he is a new creation. The old has passed away. Behold, the new has come. See, he does this thing in us that we, we need to remember because what the enemy will do and what we will do to ourselves is we will go, and this is what I was talking about at the beginning of my message. Historically, most of the people in this room that have walked with Jesus, and I don't mean like I got saved when I was 12 and I didn't really do anything with Jesus, but I'm saying most of the people in this room that have said, yes, I choose Jesus, and you have done your very best to follow him historically, not over the day, but over the decade, you would see God move. If you were just to look back over your history, you would go, God rescued and redeemed. It didn't look like it in the moment. And there's been lots of moments in my life where I I have been, I'm losing my mind going, why am I here? Why am I doing this? And the 10 years plus that I've been uh, planted this church, there have been days, months of of the time that I've been here that I'm like, I don't want to do this anymore. Because in the moment something difficult has happened or some leadership challenge or something is, is coming and it's in my face. And all I can think about is does Heath have the ability and the power to overcome the thing that's ahead of me? And when it's only Heath, the answer is always no. But what God has done over and over again in my own life is in those moments where I'm just like at the end of my Patience. I'm at the end of my ability to persevere. I'm at the end of my ability to want to continue. God is just it with his love and grace. And reminded me of why I'm here. Uh, the last one, and I've told um, this a couple of times in here. It, during the middle of COVID, um, I had never videoed myself with no people in the room before COVID. I'd never preached no one was in the room, which was the worst, the worst, however many weeks of my life, seven, eight weeks of my life. And so I'm, I'm recording video of myself with this backdrop of this wall in here and no one's in the room. So I'm like, I don't know if this makes any sense. Like I'm just, it was just, it was horrible. And during the middle of that first summer, we had just started meeting, but like everything was different. You know, like all the relational aspect of doing ministry with people and being with people and, and, and you know, in small groups and all these things, they weren't happening like before. And I'm just thinking to myself, like, what is ministry anymore? Like, I, I don't feel like I'm accomplishing anything. All I'm doing is, I don't know if anybody, like, you know, this recording that I'm putting up. And I was out, almost, for me, a lot of times when I'm sweating, when I'm out doing something physical, so God usually gets my attention. And so I was out doing um, yard work. It was in the middle of the summer. It was like 90-some degrees. And I was just mad. I was just pouting at, like, how things were going. I'm like, God, I don't want to do this anymore. Like, I don't even know what this is anymore because church looks so different in the middle of all of this stuff. And I felt like the Holy Spirit just spoke to my soul, and it just settled me. He just said, you can, you can go, but you'll be back. And nothing else will make you happy. And I'm like, 
See, we'll lie to ourselves. There was times where I'd be like, I'll go sell hot dogs. Like, I don't care what it is. I'll go work the door at Walmart. I don't care what it is. I will go do Because we just think, oh, man, if I could work a nine to five and like I would leave and no one's you know, like calling me afterwards, like, hey, like I need this. Like they're not because that's your job. Like, but the reality is, is, is God has to constantly remind you, which he's constantly reminded me of why we're here. See, every day we, we've got to almost have these things set up in our life to be reminded. This is why we encourage you to get in the word. Because the word is what's going to drive you to him over and over again. If you'll see his grace over and over again, it'll drive you back to the thing, the cornerstone of who he is, the rock of who he is. See, if you don't have those things, you will begin to allow your thoughts, feelings, and emotions to determine how things are in your life, which is, which is a lot of trouble. Our world is being ruined right now because of what people think and feel. I feel, so it must be right. We need the Bible. We need the Holy Spirit to constantly say, say, hey, I'm, 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 I'm your rock. You know, when the world's coming against you, when all these other things are falling apart, I'm your rock. Come to me. Trust me. Because he will help you overcome every obstacle. And let me just tell you, it will never be like you want it to be. And when I, I truly believe, because he has done it in my life, every obstacle that has come my way, from the little to the big, God has always got me through it and overcome it. And it has rarely been in the form and fashion that I wanted it. If, if you're hoping that you can join a church that's going to help you figure out how to do the right thing so that nothing bad ever happens to you again, you're at the wrong place. And if you find that place, they're lying to you. Because the life and journey with Jesus will be the most fulfilling thing that you're ever going to do, but it will be the most struggle, the most... Because <laughs> everything in our world is calling you to do the contrary to what... God is calling you to do. He needed those stones. See, then you have to place your stones. So what, what, are, what are those stones? The first stone, like I said, that first stone is that, that day that Jesus and you got together. And you're like, you're my king. You're my savior. I'm on your team. I want to do what you want to do. And the other stone other stones are the faithful things that God has brought you through. The only way that you can live historically is to remember the stones of what God has already done. You've got to place them. You've got to think about them. Because if not, when you don't think about those things, your natural is like, God is never here. He always leaves me. He always lets these things happen to me. To be truthful, it's usually, those things usually happen to us when we forget the stones. Specifically the first one, that we're his child, we should listen, we should obey. So what are you doing to remember? Like for you, and, and kind of what I would like to, and I'm going to ask our worship team to come back up. Uh, what I'd like for us to settle into in this last song, and some of these questions to think about as we're kind of driving this point home, is one, do you have that? Do you have that first stone? 
None of this makes any sense or will be of any value to you unless Jesus is the cornerstone, if he is the foundation that you plan everything else on. And if that's not the case, the beauty of it is is that you can settle that at any moment. You can finally say, God, all the things that I thought I could do to get what I want aren't working, and I want you, and I want to learn to listen. I want to learn to know you, and I want to, and this is a painful one, I want to learn to be obedient to you. There's a treasure trove of what God wants for you in your obedience to him. And obedience to him will not always be easy, but it will be the thing that will bring you the most joy. Maybe not in the moment, but in what God's doing through it. So what, do you, what are you doing to remember? What, what are the things that you do to constantly put your focus and attention back to the things that God has done already in your life? Because if we, my last question here is what happens when we forget? If you forget, you're destined to repeat the same painful things over and over again. And again, I'm not saying if you remember and you obey that everything is going to go your way. I'm not saying that all of the, you know, like, you know, um, disease is never coming your way. Death in the family is never coming your way. I'm not saying any of those things. All I'm saying is that when we forget, we make the mistake that causes us the pain over and over again. Jesus is just saying, hey, remember me. As you read through the Old Testament, and I know there's crazy stuff in the Old Testament, which is not really that crazy. There's crazy stuff in the Old Testament. All of that stuff is pointing over and over again to a God that is willing to rescue and redeem. And a people, because we're like, oh man, God's really mean. God's gracious. And every act of his grace is for the love of his people. And they would forget. In the moment, and this is for those that are in the one-year Bible, which we've got free ones out on the table. If you want one, you can grab one. You can be reading along with us. Uh, we'll be getting into Judges. We'll be getting into um, all of the stories of these things that are going to happen of a people that will like, they'll cling to God and then they'll forget. And then the moment the people finally begin to cry out to God, what does he do? He comes back. He rescues and redeems. Our way of hope and our way of joy is learning to know Jesus Christ is our Lord and Savior, learning to hear his voice and learning to obey his voice regardless of what the cost is. That's where our treasure is. That, that's where our hope is. That you, you want, okay, let me, for all of your ails, let me give you the, the solution. Got marriage issues? Humble yourself before the Lord. Listen and obey. And those will not be all fixed, but God will resolve a lot of those. You got, you got addiction issues. You got relationship issues. You got work issues. Every single one of them will not be wiped away, but they'll be manageable when you just say, God, I want to know you. And in knowing you, I want to learn to be obedient to you in all the ways that you've called to me. His grace and his mercy come to us. So what are your stones? Like, what, what are you going to do this week? And, and some of the things that I say, like, 
we should plan. And the reason why we have songs, uh, a song at the end of our service is because right now is the best time to go, man, I have been pretty forgetful later, lately, and I need to do something that is going to cause me to remember. And I need to do something this week. And, and some of the best times to do that is like right now. I'm going, okay, I'm going to get in the Word. I haven't been there in a while, and maybe I'm going to grab one of those one-year Bibles, and I'm just going to start reading the Word and asking God to speak. Maybe it's remembering all the things that, all the good things that God has done and, and getting, and I know when I say journal, guys get all weirded out. I don't have a diary. Um, get, a, get a pad of paper, get a, a book and write some of these things. Just remember what God has done. And I think you would be shocked seeing it when it's written on a paper of how many times God has shown up in your life. Let's pray. Father, even now we're wrestling with our forgetfulness. Even now the, the enemy is whispering in our ears how not good you are. Even now we're, we're hearing in our voice, well, what about this time? What about this time that he didn't show up? Lord, I pray that you would bring clarity to our memory that our memory wouldn't be selective and our memory wouldn't be used against us but Lord I pray that our memory would be used to remind us of one that day that we said yes to you for me that July in 1994 when I finally <laughs> said yes and then Lord, Lord I pray that as we look through our history, as I, I look through my 1994 to 19, or not 19, 2023, Lord, that you would just show me over and over again how faithful you are and how good you are. Lord, we, we need those stones in our life. We need that foundation in our life. We need, we need you. So, Lord, I pray that you would do in us right now what, what we've been unable to do. Lord, that you would fill us with a hope. A hope that's not based on us and our power, but a hope that is based on you. Lord, sometimes we, we need those moments of crossing that river to be reminded of how powerful you are. So, Lord, I pray that you would give us some of those moments this week that we would just see your hand and know that you are God. Lord, move in us. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's message. For more information, be sure to visit us online at reachcommunitychurch.com.